Great. Thank you, Jeans. Can you all hear me okay? Excellent. Yes. Can you hear me at the back? Excellent. Right. It's really good to see you all uh, today. Isn't it good that we are doing church outside? I mean, wouldn't it be really boring to do church inside today on a nice sunny day? It's good that we're outside. So thank you, Lord, that we get to do church outside on a nice day. And I, I think I did say last week that it was going to be a nice day. I'm not going to make that uh, prophecy for next week, but um, let's pray that it will be. Um, but it's just really good. And as Jeeves said, uh, over these initial uh, three weeks or so, we just want to gather together as the church family uh, with the kids in as we sort of really figure out um, who we've got, who wants to be around and help out with the kids' work. So the longer-term plan is that we will uh, do kids' work up in the walled garden as we did before last year. Um, but it's just a really time of gathering together as the church family. And that's what we are, and that's how we should talk about the church as a family. Uh, we can often talk about it. Um, it's dangerous, really, because we often refer to the church service. And when we come to church, it's not a service that you are receiving. You're coming to be part of a family. So as we're just gathering together again, it's so good to be in person. It's good to see your physical faces rather than in a little box. We're just working out uh, and praying about where we go, and we really want to be serving the kids. And um, on Tuesday night, as Jeeves said, we're going to be gathering together again online, so we'll see each other in little square boxes again. Um, but we, I can really encourage you to come to prayer meetings. These are really important times as a church. It is no less important than what we do on a Sunday. We want to pray. We want to pray for one another. We want to pray for our nation. We want to pray for our town. We want to pray for our friends and neighbours and family that don't know Jesus. That is the engine room, as Jeeves said. Um, so I really want to encourage you uh, to come. It's, it has been a special week this week. I don't know if you're aware. I don't know if you know the, the Lady of the Manor. Do you know Lady Sue Salter? Um, it's been a special day for her this week. It's been Sue's birthday on Friday, wasn't it, Sue? I think we could do better. Sue, now hang on, hang on, hang on. Sue, was it a special birthday this, this, week, this year? Of course, every birthday, your birthday, Sue, is special, but was it a special one? Well, I think Sue was 40 this year, so we just want to celebrate Sue, the lady of the manor, Susan Salter. Uh, happy birthday, Sue. I, Sue's a part of the Alpha team, and uh, I often joke about when we come up here and do the Holy, Alpha Holy Spirit days that uh, this is hers and this is her manor, so it's just something that we like to joke about. So today we're going to look at Luke 19, verses 28 to 40, and Megan is going to read the verses for us. So over to you again, Megan. Let's give Megan a warm welcome. She served us wonderfully today. Over to you, Megan. So it's Luke, Luke 19, verse 28 to 40. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on, on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them, and as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, 
Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their coats on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all of the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees said to the teacher, said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Thanks, Megan. Thank you. Good reading. Well done. Um, just before I, I, I dig into that as well, can I just encourage you as well, when you sign up um, for, these, for the next six weeks, to do it as early as you can so we can send out uh, the words to you and you can get those um, as early as possible. Do you know the earliest... And we might actually give a prize out every week for the earliest person to sign up. And this week we have got a phenomenal prize... I can hear the excitement rising. For the person that signed up the earliest, Jeeves, do you know who the earliest person to sign up was? It, it wasn't Adam Northcroft. It was Ben Hazen. Ben, Ben, come here. It is a very exciting prize. It is a very exciting prize. It's a brioche. There you go. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want a brioche wrapped up? Okay. So, who knows what the prize will be next week? No one knows. It won't be a brioche. So let's get back. Let's dig into the scripture for today. So uh, what Megan read today was seeing us moving into a new phase in the Gospel of Luke, uh, from right from uh, chapter nine, verse fifty-one, uh, right up until chapter nineteen, verse twenty-seven. It's been this one section where Jesus is journeying towards Jerusalem. And this section now, the, the passion section, Jerusalem section, whatever you want to call it, is this last week of Jesus' life. And since chapter 9, the shadow of Jerusalem has been over Jesus as he's heading towards it. But now he's entering in. So we're entering into a new, exciting season. We may end Luke by the end of the year. We may not. But let's, let's, let's get excited for this new uh, chapter, this new season that we're entering into. And we see today, these are famous verses that we, we've read about the Palm Sunday. I knew this story before I even started going to church. In the other Gospels, they talk about palm branches that were, that were laid down and people started shouting. Anyone know? Hosanna! Hosanna thank you, Eden. My, my daughter knew. Well, look, come on, you lot. You need to keep up with my eight-year-old. So let's try that again. So people were shouting. Hosanna! Very good. Well done. Right, I'm going to need some encouragement. Again, I'm looking for the Pentecostals amongst us. We're going to maybe eke out the Anglicans, but that's okay. Anglicans, you can be noisy as well. That's all right. So, the people were shouting, Hosanna! And this looks like a glorious high moment for Jesus as he is entering in, right? This looks good. And there seems to be a shift as well from Jesus because right through the Gospels, Jesus is telling people not to tell others about the miraculous things that have happened. And the reason is likely that it would have increased the pressure to arrest and kill him. And he wasn't ready for that. His time hadn't come. And Jesus here is ascending into Jerusalem, 
from Jericho, an ascent of about 1,200 metres. This is Jesus' first visit to Jerusalem in Luke since chapter 2. And he makes this initial entrance with some excitement. But this king, King Jesus, doesn't ride in like any other victorious king would, maybe on a, a glorious stallion. The people are shouting. Thank you. Well done, children and Jeeves. Thank you very much. Uh, we see that in Matthew and John, that the people are shouting Hosanna. And Hosanna doesn't just mean yay for you. It means save us now. It's adoration and a plea. It's we beseech you, save us. And this seems like a celebration, but it's all leading to a confrontation. And when we read the accounts of Jesus through the Gospels, we too should be confronted. Because he is after your worship. In the Gospels, people either wanted to kill him or worship him. And Jesus, as well, and when we read the accounts of Jesus in the Gospels, he is unbelievably humble. But he isn't modest. And if you look at how loving, how kind and caring he is, how he is with the poor, how he treats women, the leprous, other races, he is incredibly humble and kind. But he's not modest because he says things like, before Abraham was, I existed. I'm coming back to judge the whole earth. I was there when Satan fell from the sky. And if you know people who are humble and gentle, they're normally quite modest as well. I know some pretty humble and modest people here today. I'm sure that accounts for most of you. But this is confronting because we mustn't soften who he is or the message. We can't like the humility but ignore the claims. And Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey saying, crown me or kill me. You can give me everything or try and kill me, but at least you're listening. But one thing he doesn't want to do for you, he doesn't want you to just like him. That's not Jesus' response. That's not the response we should have to Jesus and just say, yes, we like him. Or we just believe him. This is a lordship issue. For him to be at the centre of your life, at the centre of your everything. And we see Jesus' authority and lordship right at the beginning with him instructing the disciples to find this cult, which no one has ever sat it refers greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem, see your king comes to you. A conquering king does not ride in on a borrowed ass, but a fearsome horse. I like to make an entrance, don't I, kids? Now, <coughs> they say, um, now, sometimes I will just burst in and just start singing that I am home, daddy is home, daddy is home. And the children will come running adoringly, of course. <coughs> Other times, I've come in and I've got a Bluetooth speaker and I'll have it up as loud as I possibly can. And I'll have the theme, the Lion King tune. You know where it sounds like it says Arsene Wenger? But, and it but I like to make an entrance. Ego here, yes, Jeeves, thanks. Uh, this is an, I'm just giving dads, good children were quite young this time, and um, put sunglasses on the dog and over the banister... Because I want them to know that they're there. I want them to be pleased about it. Reflecting Zechariah 9, coming into rule, yeah. He's going to triumph. 
is by repentance weakness, not in our own efforts. We aren't. From verse 36, we see the worthless and shallow human approval and praise is. It's likely that there were people here in the crowd. This, if we my relationships or maybe it's my finances, you can fix these problems. But it's a narrow view, thinking if he fixes those problems, he can be king of my life. The crowds thought it's someone to bring judgment down on the people that were ruining their world, the Romans. What they needed was someone to bear their judgment. Because they were the people ruining the world and everyone in the human race. And they want their agenda to be his agenda. And it still happens today, forcing Jesus into our own ideals and agendas, even socially and politically. We try to fit Jesus into our own mould. Our priorities must be his, we think. But people are looking at that narrow picture. When someone came in and freed palm branches. But Jesus was looking at the wider big people were gathering into the, the city on account from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And there they were wearing white robes and holding palms clear. God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he does. If you don't learn this, you won't. And we come to God with our felt If we realise this, Jesus entering into Jerusalem, there is a true king being established. As Jesus goes to the cross, the grave, and then to the sky and the throne. Given to us. Because you have been called. We're not getting involved. Or even getting involved in other people's lives. We're too young, too old, just got married. Something beyond your own front door. He has given you things to steward and steward well. And Jesus desires a big family. And the servants in that parable that Andre read, they came before, they hid it away. They were scared of what might happen or they might get it wrong. Well, you can be free from that because Jesus has already matched up on your behalf. And the great, he's done it all for us on the cross when he died for you and for me. And we see this in view of his great mercies. We have to say, have it all. Take my life and lead me where you will. Lead me where you will. And lastly, rejoice in this moment, this moment of triumphant entry because it is a foreshadow of the great entry when Jesus will be riding on a great white horse. When he returns, he will return in great power and everyone will see. In Revelation 19, verse 11, from verse 11, it says this about Jesus' return. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flames of fire. On his head are many diadems and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, 
arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, which to strike down the nations, he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, all the Almighty. And on his there is a time coming when Jesus will return. He won't be riding on a donkey, but he will be riding the stallion, coming to rule and judge the nations. This isn't a popular thing to discuss or teach on. Let's look at the love of God. Let's read some Psalms. Surely that would be much nicer. But he will return to rule, and his name is written on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is Lord over all the nations. And he will be bringing with him a reward. Further on in Revelation 22, he says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, beginning and the end. The Bible is clear. We are not saved by what we do, by our works. We're saved by putting our trust and belief in the one who died for us. We're justified by faith alone, in Christ alone. Yet Jesus is coming with a reward according to what we have done. A reward that says, have you stewarded well what I have given you? They're reward because of what they've been entrusted with. We don't fully understand that, but it's what the Bible teaches. There is more for you than just believing. More for you than just receiving. And let's live with this in our minds that he is returning. It is futile to put your life and time into anything else. Have a career, yes. Have good relationships and family, yes. But don't let them be your main focus. Now, children, young people, look at me. I really mean this because as you grow, as you change in phases of life, the battle will increase for your concentration, for your aims in life. It will change. Don't let it be that... Yes, you used to know Jesus. You used to go to need your own relationship with Jesus. Because there is nothing else that will fulfill you more in a close relationship with Jesus. You might think, well, I'm not really feeling it right now. Hey, look at me. Young people, children, I need your attention. This is important. More important than giving your life to him and having a relationship with him. This is vitally important for your life. If at some stage you walk away or he's a distant memory, you will always have an internal Christ. I know what it's like. And trust me, I'm on the better side now. So do all that you can to live. Do you want people to just think well of you? I know when you're young, that's a big thing. You want people to just like you or fancy you when you're young. It doesn't fit in here. It looks like a big silver van, and I like vans. I love parking next to all the flash cars when I do the school run because it doesn't fit in, and I love winding my son up about it. We mustn't run after popularity. He wants us to turn away from the praises of men and place your trust wholly in Jesus. His opinion is what matters. My standing before him is what matters. My, his view of my life and character is what matters. And if we don't worship 
If he doesn't get your worship, it says at the end, even inanimate objects will cry out. Even these rocks, Jesus says, will cry out. He was establishing God's eternal kingdom that you and I get to be a part of. Can we all stand? We're going to just pray now for a moment. Children, I'd like you to stand as well. Because God is calling you, no matter how old you are. You could be Nancy, who is six. You could be Ben or Ben, who are about to leave school. God is calling you, saying now, what are you doing with what I've given you? How are you stewarding what I have given you? This is a serious moment because God is calling us all into his kingdom, not just to believe, but to be zealous for his name. There's no greater joy than leading people into the kingdom. Me and my friend Reuben can, can tell you about that. We do that on Alpha. We lead people into the kingdom. There's no greater joy. God has put something in you because he wants to use you. And we're just going to ask God to come right now and speak to us about what that might be in you. But let's just have as quiet a moment as we can with the kids around. It doesn't matter. Don't worry if your kids are making noise. I can deal with that. We're just going to pray. Why don't you just put your hands out to God and just thank, start thanking him for who he is and for what he's done. For this entering into Jerusalem because it was the beginning of him going to the cross. Why don't you thank him for dying for you on the cross? Jesus, we thank you that you paid the price for, my, for me. That I am pardoned before heaven because of the cross. I thank you that you know me by name. Why don't you just thank him that he knows you by name? And Lord, will you come now and speak to us about what you are putting on our hearts? Lord, we are in a moment in our lifetime that we have just never seen before. Lord, as, as we gather back together, Lord, as your people in person, you come and speak to us now about what you're calling us to individually, what you're calling us to corporately. We want to see many, many added into the kingdom. We want to see this town and this region reached for your name. We want your name, Jesus, to be famous in this town and in this nation. I want to pray for the young people and the children, Lord, that you will speak to them, that they will be followers of you all of their lives. Let them always walk in the ways of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I mean, we could be being called into being mermaids. Who knows? <laughs> um, be careful with that. <coughs> right. You can take your seats again. Um, we're going to draw our service to a close there now. Thank you. If you've been watching online, I don't know if anyone's been watching online.